Welcome. We are so glad you've joined us today. Are you ready for another Bayside Christian Church podcast? Let's get straight into it. It's uh, great you can join us today, and I just really, really want to encourage you today, and I pray that this word uh, really blesses you and encourages you in many ways. Um, just have a listen to this statement as we get started. It says, modern Western culture is fraught with skepticism. The contemporary search for truth says, understand in order to believe. And against this thinking, Jesus has always maintained, believe in order to understand. And I want to look at that that phrase today as part of that about believing uh, and understanding. Those two as belief and understanding. I want to share with you a story uh, in the Bible, a story of miraculous healing that you know maybe you've heard before. Uh, it's a, st- a story that's used many times, but every time I read it, I'm encouraged, inspired, and, and grab something new out of it. And it's a story about the woman with the issue of blood who who reached out in faith. And I want to read this to you. And as I read it, I also want to give you a few background information as we read the explaining a few parts to help us have greater understanding of this story. And then we'll go from there and talk about a few other things. But in Mark 5, 21 to 34, we read this story. Jesus had just come back from the other side of the lake in a boat, and he had just set a guy called Legion free. Uh, Legion meaning many uh, or thousands, which was a, he had, was possessed by thousands of demons. Jesus set him free, come all the way back across the lake. And when he uh, arrives back, he's faced with another couple of situations. And it says in verse 21, After Jesus returned from across the lake, a large crowd of people quickly gathered around him on the shoreline. Just then a man saw that it was Jesus, so he pushed through the crowd and threw himself at his feet. His name was Jarius, a Jewish official who was in charge of the synagogue. He pleaded with Jesus, saying over and over, Please come uh, and come with me. My little daughter is at the point of death, and she's only 12 years old. Come and lay your hands on her and heal her, and she will live. And so Jesus starts to walk off to go and do this. And then Jesus went with him, and a huge crowd followed, pressing on him from all sides. Something we can't do at the moment. Um, You've got to be 1.5 meters. But they were pressing in all around Jesus on all sides. A massive crowd. Now, in the crowd that day was a woman who had suffered horribly from continual bleeding for 12 years. She had endured a great deal under the care of various doctors, yet in spite of spending all that she had on the treatments, she was not getting better, but was worse. When she'd heard about Jesus' healing power, she pushed through the crowd and came up from behind him and touched his prayer shawl. So she had just heard about, she'd never met Jesus before. She'd heard about Jesus. She'd heard about his healing power. And she hears that Jesus is suddenly there. He's in the crowd. He's walking by. And so she begins to go, I need to get to Jesus. So she came up from behind him and touched his prayer shawl. Now, I just want to give you some background information on what is a prayer shawl. What, what is that? It's a garment or a cloak. And as a Jewish man, Jesus would have uh, had it over his shoulder or shoulders as a prayer shawl. The blue tassel on the corner of the prayer shawl was said to symbolize all the commandments and promises of God. Okay, so it had tassels on it at the bottom, and a blue one represented all that. The Hebrew word for fringe, which she touched, or the border of a garment, can also mean wing. And some 
believe, some have interpreted, scholars have interpreted in Malachi 4.2 when it says there's healing in his wings. It's a reference to the tassels of the prayer shawl. And so she reached out to that tassel, which means wing, or there's healing in the wings. And as she touched that prayer shawl, she was instantly healed. For she kept saying to herself, it says in verse 28, if, I only, if only I could touch his clothes, I know I'll be healed. That's it. That's all she had to go on. Her faith was enough to think, if I can just, she was too shy to, to interrupt. She was too scared of what the crowd may do because of her condition to interrupt or make a scene. So she pushed through and just touched, in the midst of, amongst all these people that were pressing on Jesus, well, touched the hem of his garment, that prayer shawl. She said, I know I'll be healed. The Greek word for healed there is sozo. And has many possible meanings, including safe and sound, healed, delivered, made whole, rescued, restored, and saved. And this is what Jesus does, continues to do for us today. We have a sozo ministry at our church, which is in many places around the world. And the so, that word sozo means whole, it means being healed. And that's exactly what the meaning was here, that as soon as she touched the hem of his garment, she was healed. It was a sozo moment, completely de- delivered, completely made whole, completely restored, completely saved. Verse 29, as soon as um, her hand touched him, Uh, Her hand touched him, the hem of his garment. Her bleeding immediately stopped, the Bible says. She knew it, for she could feel her body instantly being healed of her disease. Jesus knew at once that someone had touched him, for he felt the power that always surged around him had passed through him for someone someone to be healed. Now, he had lots of people pressing around him, but the difference was that he felt power go out of him to a single person because of her faith rather than all these other people that were bumping into him without faith to be healed or for no apparent reason that they could be. But that particular woman had faith. Her faith was just, if I can just touch the hem of his garment, I believe I'm going to be healed. The literal meaning when, when, we, when we read this and it says he felt power go out of him, this is the literal reading of a unique phrase in Greek construction. It could be translated, the power that keeps going out of him went out from him. There was a glorious power that kept going out around Jesus Christ, drawing others to him and healing those he touched. And in this case, healing a woman who touched him in faith. Jesus knew that the power of God was always emanating around him, yet it had flowed through him to someone in the crowd. Just imagine that this, Jesus was aware there's this, that the power of the Holy Spirit was always was like encircling and was around him, was upon him, and it only needed someone touching him by faith that the healing power of God then flowed into that person and healed them. So he turns around, it says, and he spoke to the crowd saying, who touched my clothes? And, they, and the crowd would have thought, what do you mean? Like, what, you're cra- we're, there's, a whole, there's hundreds of people have bumped into you. And he says, who touched my clothes? And then he said, you know, Jesus knew, he, Jesus knew the answer to the question. He knew who it was, but he wanted the woman to come forward and acknowledge her healing. There were crowds around Jesus. The living, he was, you know, and Jesus is known as the living word. He is the word of God. And many today, it says that the guy who um, had written some background notes on this, many today crowd around the written word, reading the Bible. They read it, but only those who touch the scriptures in faith receive its promises. 
Just like the sick woman who received the healing. So you can read the Bible like you'd read any other book. And you can go, oh, that was nice. But well, you can read it with faith, believing what you're reading. And the word comes alive and is active. And you can read about healing and say, God, would you please heal me? And you can be healed in a moment. So verse 31, his disciples answered, what do you mean who touched you? Look, look at this huge crowd. They're all pressing up against you. But Jesus' eyes swept across the crowd looked for the one who had touched him for healing. When the woman who experienced this miracle realized what had happened to her, she came before him, trembling with fear. She just wanted she she'd been treated badly by people. She didn't want to make a scene. But she came before him, didn't know what was going to happen and she was she in trouble? Was Jesus going to say what have you done? Why did you do this? No. She came for him trembling with fear and threw herself down at his feet saying, I was the one who touched you. And she told him a story of what had just happened. Then Jesus said to her daughter, because you dared to believe. That's a great line. Because you dared to believe. Your faith has healed you. Go with peace in your heart and be free from your suffering. So she didn't try and work it all out. That first, that first statement I made was about, you know, it says right at the start I read that, you know, modern Western culture is fraught with skepticism, the contemporary search for the truth and says, understand in order to believe. Okay, so she didn't try and understand everything in order, you know, to get her healing. She just believed and stepped forward. But just imagine for a moment, let's just imagine for a moment that uh, the situation was a bit different and she thought, I need to understand what's going to happen first before I, you know, get this healing. I want to understand. So let's just imagine that instead of just coming out and reaching and touch, uh, touching him his garment, she gets Jesus' attention and says, Jesus, Jesus, I know, I know you can heal me, but, um, but before you heal me, I've got a few questions for you. So just imagine, this would not have happened in this culture, but just imagine with me for a moment. And she, let's imagine she asks a few questions, and sort of, and, and he, these are a few of the questions I can imagine that someone wants to understand what's going on. This is the question she may ask. Jesus, before you heal me, I just want to know how this will work. Which part of your prayer shawl do I need to touch exactly for that healing to take place? Do I touch this corner to the middle or to that corner there? Which, which is the best part to touch? So I need to understand this before any healing takes place. And also, uh, will, you, will I be healed instantly or will it take some time? Can you please you know, answer that question for me as well? Uh, I've got a few others. Um, how, how are you actually going to stop the bleeding in my body? Can you explain that to me? Because I'm not a doctor or anything, but I'd really like to understand that first before this happens, you know, because it's kind of going to happen in my body. And um, will it hurt when you heal me? Um, what's it going to feel like, Jesus? Can you, can, because, you know, if it's going to hurt, it might not be something I want to do, but can you please explain that to me as well? And a couple of more things. Um, I don't really want others to know that I'm healed. Can you guarantee that all these people in this crowd won't, t- won't tell other people about what, what, my healing. Can you guarantee that, Jesus, before that happens? Because I don't. I want to keep this a bit quiet. And um, and you know, and if you can answer all these questions, then I'll be able to decide if I really want to go ahead with this healing or not. Now, if you may think that's funny, which it kind of is, if someone sort of ants grilled Jesus in the midst of all that and asked all these questions, he probably would have interrupted her um, before she got to the end of those questions. I'm sure, but. If someone came and did that, you think, well, you know, just, just why don't you just believe? Just, just get here. Why do you need to know all that stuff? But the truth is, the reality is that I know people that, are pro- that, 
that I've met them that approach God the same way. They approach church the same way. That they want to under they want to try and understand God. They want to try and understand what's going on. They want to understand everything that's going on around them before they make a decision. Well, then if it fits into my thinking and if, if I understand I, and I'm happy with that, then I oh yeah, well then I might believe in God or I might go follow God after that. But it doesn't work that way. Can you understand how the dead are raised back to life? Can we understand how a leg can grow back uh, by someone praying for them? I've seen that happen myself. Can you understand how the bl- a blind person was blind in a moment and then can see how a deaf person were, uh, were deaf but suddenly they can hear? Can you understand how someone who's suddenly got a tumour that's life-threatening can suddenly the tumour can be gone and dissolved away in a moment? Can we understand these things and can we just go, Oh God, before you do any of that healing, before I... you know. Just pray for someone I want can you please explain all this to me can you please give me understanding of all this because then once I've got the understanding then I'll believe but that's not the way it works and so I've found that you know over time that people are very smart intellectual there's nothing wrong with being intellectual and wanting to learn new things but if that's the only way if that's if you need to understand everything in your mind then I find that people like that struggle to surrender their life to God because they need to understand everything and it's not just about understanding explaining everything in your head and wanting to know everything in your head it's it's a heart decision it's a heart decision. It needs to get beyond your head into your heart. Because if you can talk someone into like going to convince someone to give their life to Jesus intellectually, then someone else can convince them out of it. But when God touches your heart and does a miracle inside of you and that is beyond your understanding, then it, it bypasses your understanding. It bypasses what happened there, but you know it's real because there's a change in your life. There's a change in your body. But she didn't come with a whole bunch of questions. She didn't come with the, with the thinking, thinking that I need to understand everything. She simply came with a little bit of faith and said all that said was, if I can just touch the hem of his garment, I know I'll be healed. That's all she came with. She wasn't trying to work it all out. She wasn't trying to understand everything. The woman who has had constant bleeding and has seen every doctor spend all that she had is suddenly healed in a moment by touching a piece of clothing. You know, that's amazing. That's, that's all it was. She touched the, how, how do we explain that? She touched the edge of his garment. She spent all that she had. She was her last end. She was, Jesus was her only chance, her only hope. He's all that, he's her last resort, if you, if, you, if you want to put it that way. And she just touches it and she's suddenly healed. It's difficult to understand, difficult for us to get a head around it, but it can be believed by faith or seeing it happen. I've seen incredible miracles happen. Other people I know have as well. And so it's you, you sometimes you just got to take a step of faith and go, oh, I know God, you can do it. I don't understand how you're going to do it, but I just believe you're going to do it. Other times when you've seen it happen, you still don't understand how it happened. There's certain understanding you get as you go along. You see how God works and in what ways and, and what people do, how people respond can can you know be the difference between someone being healed or not being healed. So you can under, start to understand that, but it's, Understanding everything about God, you can't understand everything in a moment. What we need to understand that though is this, is we don't receive healing or encounter God according to our terms. It's always on His terms. He will meet people in different ways at different times. There's no set formula to the way God moves. So trying to understand God and His ways without faith and trust becomes a very frustrating experience for people. We can, you know, God's not, 
God will heal in the Bible. He healed, just laid hands on one guy who was, you know, blind and he was healed. Another time he just spoke it and a guy was healed. Another time he spat in the mud and made some mud pies and threw it in the guy's eyes and, and, uh, and, and he got healed. So that's, you know, why do he do it that way? Well, he just doesn't do it the same every time. There's not a set formula. He does it different ways for different people because different people need to be healed in different ways for different reasons. And so for us putting, trying to put the understanding around that and try and put God in a box, it just doesn't work. He just blows that box apart and will leave people frustrated who try and work that out in their own mind. So we're talking about faith and we're talking about unbelief or we're talking about understanding. Faith is different from feelings. Feelings are based on circumstances and they change like the weather. Faith involves acting, trusting and believing that God is real at work and working for believers good, regardless of what one may happen to feel at the moment. She, she felt terrible, this woman. She felt sick. She felt, but it, she, it wasn't based on her feelings. If she just went by her feelings, she thought, blow this, I'm going home. I'm going home to die. I've tried everything. It wasn't based on her feelings. In fact, sometimes faith leads believers in the opposite direction of feeling. She would have been feeling sick, unwell, probably all the time. And if she let that guide her, then she then there was no way she would have received healing. But that wasn't what her basis was based on. It was simply on faith and believing that Jesus could do it. The woman in this passage had been suffering for a long time. As her uh, disorder involved blood, she was perpetually unclean according to Jewish, Jewish law. And as a result, had likely been ostracized by a community. In other words, she's been separated because of her condition of, of uh, a bleeding condition. She had to be separated from people. You're called unclean, like a leper was called unclean. When she heard about the healing power of Jesus, her boldly, she boldly braved, braved the large crowd and reached out to him in faith. And his response to her was, Daughter, your faith has healed you. God invites people to faithfully trust him for all of life. In Proverbs 3, 5 and 6, it says these very wise words. It says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding Seek his will in all that you do and, know, and he will show you which path to take. Trust the Lord with all your heart and don't lean on your own understanding. That's clear as day what we're talking about. It says don't trust in your own understanding because you'll be limited where God is unlimited. It says trust in the one. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Trust in the one who has unlimited understanding, unlimited wisdom, unlimited power. Don't trust in your own understanding which is very limited and if you trust in your own understanding only and not God's, you'll be, your life will be limited and hit a shelf and you won't go any further because until you trust God, you won't break through to another level. The way of Jesus is the way of trust. All throughout his life on earth, Jesus demonstrated absolute faith in his Father and challenged his followers to exercise the same kind of faith. For many reasons... People are prone to doubt. Modern Western culture, like I read at the start, is fraught with skepticism. Contemporary search for truth says, understand in order to believe, and against this thinking, Jesus always maintained, believe in order to understand. Believe in order to understand. In the struggle with doubt and unbelief, Jesus encourages people with these words in Mark 5.36. He says, don't yield to fear. All you need to do is keep on believing. He says, believe and then you'll understand. Believe. So in other words, when you step out in faith and just believe in God, 
As you believe and as you see God work, he'll, he'll, he'll bring you understanding as you can handle it. He'll bring you understanding and you'll start to see how, God's work, how God works, how His power works, how His love works, how, you, how He uses you to reach out to others, how prayer works, how worship and praise works. When you read the Bible, how to read the Bible and with faith and it comes alive, you start to understand. But if you try and do all that first without believing, then it's very hard because it's like you're closed off to the Spirit of God. It's like you put a wall up going, no, I'll, I'll, I'll listen to you God once I've worked it all out no it doesn't work that way you let him in and when you let him in and you believe with faith then suddenly your understanding is is you start to see because the spirit of God shows you things you could never see before he gives you understanding so the way of Jesus is the way of trusting God every day for his life for this life and the next so the way of Jesus is the way of trust if someone needs to understand everything before they believe, then it's more than likely that person struggles to trust people as well. Have you ever met people that you know struggle with trusting others? I have, and they, you know, they maybe they've been hurt, treated the wrong way, you know, and that sadly people can then they put up walls and go, I don't know if I can trust you. And so if they don't can't trust other people, especially if they can't trust God, or if they need to understand everything or get the big picture or make sure everything understand what's going on, because usually it's a mechanism, I don't want to be hurt, I don't want this to happen, I don't want that to happen, I want to be in control. But then they find it very hard to trust because trusting in God is basically you've got to let, let go of some control and say, God, I trust you with this area of my life. God, I put my faith in you. This woman who reached through the crowd, she, she'd been, she'd, she was told, stay away from the crowd. Stay away from people. You're unclean. So she took a massive risk and said, I'm just going to, I'm just this Jesus. This is my only chance. He's here. Might be the only time I see Jesus, so I'm just going to go for it. I've, I've wasted all my money. I've, I've got nothing left. This is my only chance. If, if I don't get healed, then I'm probably going to die. And so she, so she reaches through the crowd and takes a risk, takes some trust, puts her faith in Jesus and touches the hem of his garment and receives healing. But the moment we base our belief on our understanding, so I'm going to base everything on what I understand, we're doomed because we are limiting God to our understanding. In other words, we, we limit God. We say, well, this is what I understand. So this is what, if I understand, that's where, that's where my belief about God is. So you're limiting God to your own understanding. God is so much bigger than you. So God is so much bigger than your understanding. He's so much greater than your understanding. He, you will never understand everything about God. For all eternity, you'll be learning about God. But in heaven, you won't understand. If you think I get to a point where I'll, suddenly I'll know it all, well, then all you're saying is that yeah, I am God then you're putting yourself in the position of God if you say, I know everything, where we don't. We need to humble ourselves and say, God, I don't know it all. Help me to understand what I need to understand. Help me to learn. Help me to keep walking with you and take steps. But God, I'm just trusting in you with faith. And so don't limit God to your own understanding. Don't be limited by whatever you understand. You need to step out of that and say, God, I believe in you. I trust in you. God can't be limited. He's a supernatural God that works in the natural and supernatural realm at the same time. Have you thought about that? He works in the natural and the supernatural at the same time. Can you understand that? Can anyone, you can, people can understand things in the natural, but suddenly we've got the natural and the supernatural mixing together. And, and you say, well, I'm going to try and understand that. You won't understand that. You need God's Spirit to show you and, and, and just watch what He does. And, and in time, He will help you to understand how those two things work together. But we see it in this story. She's in the natural, has a natural need, but a supernatural power touches her 
as she steps out in faith and she's instantly healed. It's the supernatural coming into the natural. If you try and understand how all these things work in your own understanding, your own insight, you'll probably give yourself a decent headache and become very frustrated. We don't un- we don't God doesn't want us to try and understand everything about him. He doesn't expect you to understand everything. He simply says, "Trust in me and believe in me." To finish today, I want to sh- read um, a story and um it's a story that I, this week, I just picked it up and read it again. I thought, this is such a great story. And uh, it's about Charles Finney, who was a, a revivalist, a great man of God that preached across America and different places, saw you know thousands of people come to Jesus and God do amazing things. And he shares this one story I want to share with you today about one of the most amazing things he saw. And, I, and this just fits in, you know, showing God's power and how he works. It's beyond our understanding, beyond our, our ways. Charles Finney says the most amazing display of God's power in his life came one day as he went to visit a cotton factory in New York Mills, a small town near Utica, New York. Prior to his visit in the factory, more than 500 converts were reported saved in the, in the short time he had been in Utica. So he'd been holding some meetings and things and... 500 people had come to know Jesus. Every, everyone in the area had heard what was going on and the people were divided. A great number of those against the meeting were openly opposing it. You know, we sort of think today there's people that speak up against, especially on social media, against God, against the church, against whatever, Christians, and they'll argue or whatever and say things. And we sort of think, you know, it's worse today, but it, hap- it was happening back then as well. It's happened all through history. There's always going to be those that oppose it, mostly because they don't understand, mostly because they're fearful of what it may mean. They can, they, maybe they're confronted with something that's new that they can't understand, and so they just kind of They'd rather criticize it or put it to the side. As Finney walked into the cotton mill one day, one of the opponents of the meeting, one of the ones who had been against the meetings, a young lady employee, saw him. Looking at her co-employee, she began to laugh. Some writers say she made a cynical remark about Finney and his meeting. In a spirit of prayer, now watch how he, what he does. In a spirit of prayer, Charles Finney simply looked at this young lady without saying a word. And as he kept looking at her, being grieved by her criticism, the lady stopped working as she had broken her thread. So he starts, she starts mocking him, starts mocking God, whatever about the meetings, whatever, and starts you know, making some remarks, as you've seen probably people do and saying to the person next to her. And you notice that Charles Finney doesn't, um, you know, start to argue with her and say, you know, well, let's let's talk about this. Why are you doing this? He doesn't say a word. All it says he's in he's in a state of prayer. In other words, he's praying for her. He's in a, he's just quiet. He he just looks at her. He doesn't need to say anything. Do you know? Do you know why? Because Charles Finney understood that he doesn't need to fight on God's behalf. That he understood that all he needs to do is to believe in God and trust in God. And that God goes before him and that God is way bigger and more able to fight any battle that needs to be fought. That it's, you know, it's not up to us to bring conviction on someone. The Holy Spirit does that. It's not up to us to convince someone they need to go to church. It's not up to us to convince someone they need to give their life to Jesus. We need to ask people and invite people, but we don't need to try and talk someone into it. Because if you are praying for that person and in a spirit of prayer like he was, then the Holy Spirit is working before you and is already at work in people's hearts. And so she's in opposition to it. He doesn't argue. You know, he doesn't get all, you know, on, I see on 
Facebook and social media that people think they need to argue. And I see Christians arguing about someone about different things, some are important issues, some are not. And I look at it sometimes and think, you're just you're not helping yourself. I don't. Why do, I don't think you need to argue about that. And so there's different ways to do it. And so we don't need to try and try and fight for God and try and do say, God, I'm going to stick up for you. Don't worry, God, I've got your back. You know, don't worry, I've got this God. It's don't worry, we'll sort these people out, God. How dare they say that about you, Jesus? I'm gonna, I'll fix them. Don't you worry. I'll tell them what they should be doing, and I'll quote some scriptures to them, and and that'll fix them all up. Then they won't speak anymore because they'll be so convicted, and they just keep arguing. Because we try to do it our own strength instead of allowing the Holy Spirit to work on our behalf. He does it much better, and this is exactly what happens in this story. So my advice to you, if you've got some conflict from someone, don't argue with them. Just pray for them. You don't even need to let them know that you're praying for them. Just pray for them and allow the Holy Spirit. Don't fight with them. Just pray for them. Allow the Holy Spirit to work on your behalf. So she says these remarks. He kept kept looking at her, being grieved by her criticism. The lady stopped working as she had broken her thread. They're in a sewing mill. She became so upset that she couldn't repair the thread and start again. The Spirit of God mightily convicted her of her sin to the point that she began to weep. Soon her companions were convicted and began to weep. A chain reaction occurred as hundreds began to be overcome by their lost condition. The factory owner, seeing this, was deeply moved himself and said, Stop the mill and let the people attend to religion, for it is far more important that our souls be saved than the factory run. Wouldn't it be good if that happened these days? All the workers were assembled in a large room and Finney said, A more powerful meeting I scarcely ever attended. Within a few days, nearly every employee was saved. Some accounts say all were saved. Several authors say there were 3,000 employees in the factory. He walked into that place not saying a word. He just believed with faith that God had said, Hey, just go there. And suddenly God moved on his behalf. Even with people in there, obviously there's more than one, people in there that were opposing what was going on. And, you know, I just want to tell you, encourage you that no matter what opposition a church faces this day and age we live in, no matter what people are saying, you know, in a moment, God's Spirit can change someone's heart, comes to the hardest of hearts and and breaks down the hardest of hearts because God loves the people that are can you know, condemn God, condemn church to speak up against it. He loves them just as he much loves you. He loves them and his heart cries out for them. He wants them to come to him. And so God is able to move in power. But Charles Finney did come prepared. He did come prayed up. He did come. He was a man of f- prayer and fasting. He did come ready to do whatever God wanted him to do. It wasn't what he did when he got there. It was what he did in, before he got there. And we need to be people that are praying for others, seeking God, fasting, whatever it may be, worshiping God, living a lifestyle. That So when we walk into a place we carry the presence of God and God moves on our behalf. Two last scriptures as I wrap it up today about belief. In Acts 16.31 it says, Believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your whole family. That was the story where Peter had been locked up in jail. He miraculously got free and the, and the guard's family, guard was about to, the head um, guard was about to end his life because he let these prisoners out and Peter said, stop, don't do it. And he they go back to their house and they said, how can we be saved? They asked Peter, how can we be saved? And he simply says, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your whole 
family. And Romans 10, 9 and 10 says, If you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is by believing in your heart that you are made right with God, and it is by openly declaring your faith that you are saved. And so today, I'm talking about belief and understanding. Jesus says, believe first, then you'll begin to understand how God works. And maybe today, you're someone that doesn't know God. Maybe you've tried to understand things, work things out, tried to, you know, see how's all this going to work before you, you know, step out or believe in God. Or maybe you find it hard to trust God. How do I trust God? What what if he lets me down? What my I just want to say God just says believe. He reaches out to you in love today. He cares about you. If you're sitting in your room, in your lounge room, in your car, your bedroom, wherever you're watching this, listening to this, right now you can simply Say, God, please come into my life. I want to believe in you. And you can just pray a prayer. I was going to pray it right now. And you can pray a prayer like this, Lord Jesus, please, I just come to you today. Please forgive me of my sin. I confess my sin to you. I confess that I've done the wrong thing. I confess I've, I've sinned. Sin just means I've missed the mark. I've made a mistake. I haven't lived up to God's standard. But I thank you, Jesus, that you died on a cross to take my place and pay the price of my sin. So today I come to you and ask for your forgiveness. Please come into my life. Thank you, Father God, for sending Jesus to die for me. Thank you for loving me. Today I come to you with a simple belief, a simple faith in you, and I just want to trust in you. Help me to understand your ways. Show, show me who you are. Reveal yourself to me. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. You can pray that prayer with me today. Maybe you prayed it in your heart. Maybe you said it out aloud or you can pray it sometime today. You can contact our church. There'll be someone talking, talking to you um, in a moment. And uh, you can just con- con- uh, con- contact us and we'd love to give you a Bible and be in touch with you. But I encourage you today, let's not be people that need to understand everything. Let's believe in God and walk with Him and see God move on our behalf. Have an incredible day and we'll catch up next week. Thank you for joining us. The Bayside Christian Church community aims to transform our city and beyond with the life and power of Jesus Christ. If you want to know more or just keep in touch, check us out at www.baysidechristianchurch.com.au or follow us on our social media sites at Bayside Christian Church.